I want to enjoy the process of getting stronger and not get so tied into, well, this is this camp and that's that camp. And if you go against that camp, I can't be your friend. F that. Let's have fun. Let's enjoy the process. Let's simplify things. And then we can add to it when we need to. Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Today, I'm talking to Marcus Martinez, better known online as Kettlebell Exercises on Instagram. Marcus is a master kettlebell instructor and the mind behind much of the content on living.fit. He's on a mission to help people build better bodies with kettlebells, and that means tackling a lot of misconceptions along the way. We discuss what kettlebell training can and can't do for you, big and sometimes controversial differences in training methodology, and the most impressive strength feats Marcus has ever witnessed with bells. Also, I want to take a second to say we're incredibly thankful that you listen to this podcast. So if you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating and review of the Barbend podcast in your app of choice. I'd also recommend subscribing to the Barbend newsletter to stay up to date on all things strength. Just go to barbend.com slash newsletter to start becoming the smartest person in your gym today. Now let's get to it. Marcus Martinez, thank you for joining us today. This is a, an interesting time for everyone with gyms across the country and even around the world still closed. But I feel like for the kettlebell stru- instructors amongst us, this is like prime time. You're called up to the major leagues here, man. I think there's a conspiracy that this was started by kettlebell people because <laughs> this is it's kind of crazy. I've never seen kettlebells out of stock everywhere. I've never seen, so, I've never gotten so many messages from like family and friends. Like I get messages from strangers all the time, but family and friends who are like, Hey, uh, can you help me out? I'm, I'm ready for kettlebell work. I'm like, Oh, it's taking you 15 years, but all right, cool. Let's do it. It's, it's like, you're like, Oh, it's not like I've been doing this as a career and have like worked every day <laughs> to build a following and like develop systems for training around kettlebells. Yeah, now it, it took it took a pandemic to get them to do it, which whatever it takes, uh, I'm I'm happy to help. All right, here's a question I got to ask, and I asked this of Bill Esh, who we also had on the podcast a couple months ago. He's at Kettlebell Warrior, someone I know I know you're very familiar with, uh, accomplished kettlebell athlete and coach like yourself. Uh, and he said that as soon as gyms went into lockdown, people started reaching out to him to try and rent his kettlebells. Has that happened to you? That happens weekly. Do you have any kettlebells you have to buy or to purchase? Because I owned a gym for, owned and operated a kettlebell gym for about eight years before mm-hmm. I sold it and then started working with on it. And so I've been around the kettlebell world for well over 10 years. And people just assume I have them like stocked up in the closet and then covered in the garage. I'm like, oh, I, these, are, these are gold now. You can't just get them anywhere. You should shake out your couch cushion, cushions. You might find some like 16 <laughs> kilo bells in there. There are probably some in my car just rolling around. I forgot about, you know. <laughs> So I, I do got to ask, what is your, what is your home setup? Because you produce a lot of content and I see a lot of that you, you, pr- uh, record in your home gym, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is your, what do, you have a, a beautiful looking setup? We have like a similar studio at Barbend for like kind of fitnessy filming. What is your, what does your setup look like? And, and what does your equipment, uh, setup look like that you're using these days? 
I mean, the bulk of my training is obviously kettlebells, uh, but I love dumbbells. I love, I love dumbbell bench. That's like one of the things I remember when I first started training was I was, I was like 15, I was dumbbell benching like 50 pound dumbbells. And I was like all excited because I hadn't done that before. And I look over and there's this Jack dude. He wasn't huge, but he was freaking Jack. And he picks up the 95 pound dumbbells and just starts like repping out, you know, like nothing knees up off the bench. And I'm looking at like, Oh shit, you can build strength and power with kettlebell or with dumbbells. Awesome. So I fell in love with dumbbell training, uh, and that kind of led me to kettlebells. And so it's really minimalist in that sense. I mean, I do have like a line of competition bells, so I can't say truly minimalist, but kettlebells, dumbbells, trap bar, bench, and then uh, suspension trainer. Cause I love all the suspension trainer ring work, love that control that you need for uh, calisthenics. I love that you mentioned the dumbbell bench press because I talk to a lot of strength athletes across sports. I talk to Olympic weightlifters, powerlifters, kettlebell athletes, CrossFitters. Everyone loves dumbbell bench or incline dumbbell bench. It's just such a fun movement. It feels good. You get that blend of strength and power, but it's much more accessible than a barbell and a rack, you know, just from a range of motion standpoint and just from an equipment standpoint. So. Yeah. It's just can't be it. And you can also do it without a spotter fairly safely. You know what I mean? You don't feel like, you know, it's something you could do in a home gym with some regularity there. Exactly. Exactly. So tell us a little bit about that. You, you, I'm interested in your background and strength and how you become a kettlebell specialist, because look, (laughs) in the grand scheme of things at Barbend, we cover strength sports and strength sports have increased in popularity uh, by a factor of like 10, 20 X. I don't even know what it is over the past decade, right? A lot of that's due to the growth of CrossFit Kettlebell sport is still seen in kettlebell training while, you know, we'll see kettlebells in more gyms than ever. It's still considered like the niche within the niche, so to speak. So how did you come across it? What has your evolution working with kettlebells been like as a coach and an athlete? I mean, it was purely accidental. I mean, in this day and age in social media, people see something like, I'm going to be this. I'm going to go do this. At the time, it was like, all right. I want to be a better athlete. What's going to make me a better athlete? And I just happened across uh, kettlebells and my sports were all non-contact sports, but they were all rotationally based. So it was Mm. baseball. Then I got very into tennis. And then because I didn't make baseball in high school, jumped into tennis, got really good at that fast. And then, uh, um, played college uh, tennis and started teaching tennis. So everything I did was how can I get stronger and more explosive rotationally, with tennis. And, uh, I just came across an article by Mike Mahler on kettlebells back in like 2005. And at the time I'm like, F that I'm not spending $200 on this like little weight that like doesn't look any different than anything else. Like no way. So I tried to do the workouts with kettlebells and that was kind of my first experience, or I'm sorry, with dumbbells. And that was my first experience with these full body kind of explosive, uh, you know, power or uh, weightlifting style, uh, style of movements with a dumbbell and incorporated them into a circuit. I'm like, okay, I like the way this is. Because at the time, I was just doing bodyweight workouts or maybe some kind of traditional lifting. Uh, and then finally bit the bullet, got a kettlebell, and it was like, okay, I'm fairly strong. I'll get a 53-pound kettlebell. I don't want to buy more than one of these things. And you know, the first time you pick up a kettlebell, you're like, what the hell? Just the, the anatomy of the bell, the way that it pulls you and how it's not it's so asymmetrical. I mean, that 54-pound bell felt like 100 pounds. So immediately, I'm like all right, this is, this is unique. This is different. So I started going down the rabbit hole of all of Mike Mahler's articles, loved all the stuff he had put out, uh, going down Pavel, went through RKC, went through Steve Cotter, went through IKFF, went through Steve Maxwell, uh, you know, what's his name? Jeff Martone, um, Jason Dolby, Buckley, you know, from kettlebell sport to hard style, everything in between. It was like, I want to see everything that this tool has to offer. And then I'm just going to, you know, pick and choose what I want to use for my clients. 
And I was in love with it. But then in my gym, people didn't give two shits about kettlebells. They're like, you just get me stronger. So from my passion for it, I had to kind of, uh, you know, water it down a little bit and make it have add more variety to make sure that it had more mass appeal. And it was still delivering the results that I was getting from doing just swings and snatches and, and clings. So it was kind of that blend of how can I get something that is very powerful, very useful, very simplistic, and then expand on it. So it doesn't completely dilute what it is, but it is interesting to everybody and has kind of a fresh approach to it. So adding the rotational stuff was kind of the first thing I started doing that. I'm like, okay, this is, this is definitely much, much more different. Um, and then just training my pro athletes. That was the pro fighters was the thing that I saw the biggest transformation with kettlebells, grip strength, hip speed, that coordination, awareness, structural integrity of the shoulder, the hip, things that you don't necessarily do uh, with other tools. Mm-hmm. So when did, when did you start realizing that you were becoming like, there are a lot of kettlebell experts, which is cool. And there are a lot of smart people in the kettlebell space and some of them have different takes. And I'm not, I'm not this is not a podcast where I'm going to come on and say, Marcus, your stuff is so much better than Steve Cotter's probably because I'd get a, a text or call from Steve. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but, but this is, but, but you are like a kettlebell guy. People know you as this. So when was the point where you thought, where you kind of realized like, oh, this is what I'm becoming known for. And when did you start building content around kettlebell training that maybe was outside of the scope of your day-to-day work with, or one-on-one work with clients? Honestly, from the get-go, my original business partner and I, we were putting out videos on YouTube because there was nothing out there. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the goal was how can we reach out to as many people as possible? And you know, this was in the infancy stages of YouTube. It was 2008. And just doing a bottoms-up get-up with like a 32K, which is insanely difficult. And people were looking at it like, oh, cool, whatever. Like nobody even knew how hard this was. I can't even, <laughs> compre- I can't even comprehend like just a bottoms-up press and then you add the get up to this insanely difficult. We'll have to include a video <laughs> with this podcast about yeah. that, was, that was old school me. No, I was putting up videos out there and it was just, I wanted to show people what you could do with this tool. I saw how powerful this tool was. I saw how fun this was. You could take it anywhere. The portability of it. I could take it to the park. I could take a 40, a 40 K kettlebell, an 88 pound kettlebell to the park and get a better workout than an entire gym full of equipment, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with everything that you would need. So just I, taking I just it, that. just taking it to the park would be a better workout than most people get taking it. But I was ready to leave it like half the time. I'm like, I'm done. I don't want to bring this thing back to the car. Um, so I was just consistent with posting. I was consistent with YouTube. I was weekly on YouTube and then Instagram, uh, when they started doing the videos, the 15 second videos, that's when I'm like, you know what? On a whim, I remember exactly where I was. I'm like, I'm going to start kettlebell exercises. It's like 2013. I was like, I'm just going to do, uh, like a or 14 or whatever it was. I, I was like, I'm just going to do this like little like clip of an exercise. And it was more for clients. Cause I had a website, I had a subscriber site, I had everything. But even that was too much of a step to get people to get into it. So I'm like, okay, what's the easiest thing to get them to see what I do? Let's go to Kettlebell. Let's go to Instagram. And in the first week, I went up like 2,000 people. I'm like, holy shit. Okay, this is, this is something. And then just kept going along with that, kept going along. And it just continued to grow. And I still don't see myself as an expert because as people, I mean, in 2011, I got reached out to to teach a certification and I'm like, yo, I'm like learning this stuff. I don't teach this stuff. Like I'm not a a certifier and they just hounded and hounded and hounded. So I finally was like, okay, I'm going to build something. And it was for this gym down in Argentina uh, called Toluca. And they've exploded since then. I mean, there's like, they're all over Argentina. They're getting into California or into the U.S. But it was the fact that I just kept putting out content based on what was useful to me, what was useful to my clients. 
And it just kind of snowballed. Like I didn't set out to be the kettle expert. I definitely set out that I wanted to teach people and help people. But uh, the more, the deeper I got down the rabbit hole, the more I worked with these coaches, the more that these coaches that I looked up to became my peers and the people that I got to like contact, like Steve Cotter. I mean, I looked up to Steve Cotter for years and years and then being invited down to go work out with him. It was like, holy shit, this is, this is awesome. Uh, so there, there, there are moments for that every coach has, or every strength athlete has, you know, in weightlifting, it might be the first time you see someone clean 400 pounds, 182 kilos in person and powerlifting. It might be, you know, the first 800 pound deadlift you ever see with your own two eyes and CrossFit. It might be the first sub two minute Fran or whatever. There's so many benchmarks. What are there moments in your exposure to kettlebells working with a lot of people who are very smart, working with a lot of athletes who are very accomplished, any moments that stick out where you're like, wow, that's pushing the boundaries of what I thought this tool could do and or that's pushing the boundaries of what I thought a person could do with this tool. Man, there's so many. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with John Bob Buckley of Orange Kettlebell Club, but this dude picked up a 32K on his thumb and a 24K on his pinky and took that thing overhead. And I'm like, I mean, he's got hands the size of a freaking Kodiak bear, but like, it was still just insane to see this dude just pick up that much weight with one hand. Um, and then just the stuff that I saw Jeff Martone doing from like a a hand to hand, the juggling that to me was like, this is what makes the kettlebell unique. Like if you're just going to, you know, farmer walk it and row it and deadlift it, go pick up a barbell, go pick up a trap bar, go do something else. What makes the kettlebell so unique is the ability to move freely through so many different planes. Uh, and so the more I saw stuff like that, you know, things that Steve Maxwell doing the lateral swing. First time I saw a lateral swing, I'm like, okay. This is, this is something unique. This is something you can't do with other tools as easily. Now, I also want to talk about kettlebell sport. That's something that I'm really big on getting more content on for, with Barbed. At Barbed, we cover a range of strength sports, but one, we've like dropped the, the bell, so to speak. I almost said drop the ball, but haha, what a terrible <laughs> joke. We've dropped the proverbial bell in that like this is a, a strength sport, truly a strength and endurance sport that we haven't covered as much as we should relative to how impressive it is and how impressive the accomplishments of a lot of these athletes are. What was your initial exposure to, to that part of kettlebell training and, and how has your relationship with kettlebell sport evolved? Because you, you produce content that is a little bit more, I'd say generalist than for kettlebell sport normally, but I know you do have a relationship with that community. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's so many through lines between kettlebell sport, hard style, all these different styles of training, and you really can benefit from all of them. Like I incorporate aspects of kettlebell sport into my training at times. And there's times where I know kettlebell sport athletes will incorporate, you know, kind of more hard style type of training, but, um, kettlebell sport, the first time I got introduced to it was through Steve Cotter through the IKFF went through that course was like, wow, this is really unique. Uh, I love the efficiency of it. I love the output that, you know, how exhausting it was, but at the same time, like you're building some massive grip strength, shoulder strength, hip speed, all that. And then I worked with Jason Dolby. I went, uh, he's a orange kettlebell club as well. Did a 90 minute session with him. Thought I was going to die. He had me doing, I mean, bumps. He had me doing jerks. He had me doing, uh, racked walks, just all kettlebell sport. And I was like, this is such a a unique animal uh, in any fitness world, like let alone in just in the specifics of the kettlebell world. This is so unique. Uh, And then again with uh, Aaron Guyette, who's the battle rope master coach for Living.Fit, he was a a very accomplished kettlebell sport athlete. And just watching this dude, just 32K 
I mean, sna- uh, jerking 32K, short cycle 32K for like minutes and minutes and minutes. And I'm like, oh my God, like, how is this possible? So every now and then I'll get a, a bug to start incorporating more of it. And then I'm like, ah, I like my body too much. It's too high. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is a sport for masochists because kettlebell sport is built around doing things for increments of like generally 10 minutes. I mean, I guess you there are some that are in five, but like you're, and you never put the bells down. That's the thing that took oh. me a while to get my, wrap my head around. It's like, Oh, max kettlebell clean and jerks for the long cycle or max kettlebell jerks for the short cycle. That's fine. It was like, wait, you can't set this down. Your, your rest oh. isn't a rest. You're still holding no. the bells. He's um, doing, Ivan Denisov doing 32 Ks for 10 minutes doing double freaking snatches. And I'm like watching going, he's resting with two 32 Ks overhead. Like, what the hell? Well, it, it is really impressive, but I do want to, you mentioned something earlier in, in this part of the conversation that I want to dive into. And if you go down the rabbit hole of online strength communities, which I literally do for a living, right? You'll find these little disagreements and you'll find like dueling factions. It's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. I love, and it's like, sometimes people argue over big things, little things. Look, it's, it's the internet. People love arguing. There's kettlebell sport, which is, you know, max efficiency with these movements tested over a time, a set time domain, right? Um, popular internationally, there are many federations, not maybe as big in the U.S. as a lot of other strength sports, but, but arguably growing. And then you have something called hard style kettlebell training. What is the difference? Because if, if, if we mentioned one of these incorrectly on like an Instagram post on Barbend, man, we will hear about it. So for our listeners, the difference between kettlebell sport and hard style. What is that? I mean, to be very specific, hard style is a is a, a term from a company. RKC started the term hard style kettlebell training, and that was to combat the kettlebell sport fluid, uh, high efficiency type of training. And this was high impact, high tension, low rep, high volume, uh, you know, max uh, effectiveness. So you are not trying to be efficient in any way, shape, or form. You're trying to take the lightest bell you can and make it as feel as heavy as possible. You'll see people swinging a 16K and just using the balsabinu. They're uh, as much tension as possible. They're trying to just wring out any bit of tension because the idea is that through radiation, you will get stronger through the that max output of that specific weight, of that specific uh, exercise you will get stronger and you won't need anything else. Uh, they're very minimalist. So hard style is a very minimalist style of training. You're using five or six movements and you're doing it over and over and over. And there, I have mad uh, respect for both sides of this, for this, the soft style, the gear boy sport and hard style, because these guys and girls can do five or six movements forever. And I'm like, bro, I don't have that kind of patience. Like I gotta, I gotta expand on that. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of the main difference. Kettlebell sport is a sport you're doing. You're trying to be as humanly efficient as possible. If that means breaking your form to make sure, I mean, even from an anatomical standpoint, it's not going to be good for you, but it's for the sake of the sport. Whereas hard style, it's not a sport. It's just high, high impact. Well, let's talk about your programming and the kind of content you put out. You put out workouts and workout programs. I mean, we're not, we're not just talking like, a single workout here. We're talking about periodized programs over weeks and months for people of all different goals, getting stronger, building muscle, building rotational strength, sport specific performance, fat loss, you name it. You've probably developed over time protocols and programs for this. How do you approach kettlebell training from a programmer's standpoint? Because 
I, I feel like there might be decision fatigue. There are so many movements you can do. And, I mean, it's, just, it's, an infinite, it's almost an infinite range. And people are inventing new movements all the time. I th- see you post things. I'm like, I've never seen that, that kind of <laughs> flow before. You know, how do you even start picking things off the whiteboard to assemble a program when you have so much to choose from? I mean, the, the thing that I have, decision fatigue is so, is so real. And that's so something that I've gone through myself. Uh, and when I make the programs... I'm, I'm the worst in that I'm like, this is going to be the best program. This is like the program. And I keep doing that over and over and over. So then I had to finally tell myself like, look, there's going to be more programs. I don't have to put everything into this stew. I can make another stew. So obviously I take the, the <laughs> basics of movement pattern, uh, you know, vertical push, pull, all the basics. So that way we have everything covered, making sure I'm rowing more than I'm pushing. I'm horizontally pulling more than I'm vertically pulling. Incorporate all that stuff. So that way there's balance. And then from a kettlebell standpoint, I have to look at what is going to fatigue someone. Because the thing is, you'll see a lot of these programs, people incorporate you know, front squats and then a lot of pressing and then a lot of snatching. And then they're not taking into account grip strength. They're not taking into account shoulder fatigue. You know, Even just holding the bell in the rack position is going to tire you out. Right. So I try to look at everything from a user standpoint, what is going to make someone, what is going to get someone stronger, not just exhaust them, what's going to keep things fresh enough add enough variety, but not be gimmicky and just add, you know, things for the sake of it. And then how can I incorporate some flow into that? So take, you know, 80% fundamental, foundational, progressive overload, and then 20%, how can I add in some flow where we start to get kind of outside the box and we can strengthen patterns that we don't typically train. So like if I'm going to do a rotational snatch with a lunge, where the hell does that fit in, in the, in the movement pattern setup? So I try to incorporate bits of that. So that way there's that neurological benefit that you get from flow. You get that connection, you get that awareness, you get that kind of experiential piece of it, but then basic movement patterns to make sure we're getting stronger, more powerful, and not just wasting our time in the gym. This is real. This seems incredibly complex. The more you talk about this, the more I'm like, next time I program for myself, it's just going to be three by five, three movements on and I'm out of there <laughs> with a barbell. Because this is, this is a little bit like making music. All the different parts have to flow together well right? You're not just, you're not just picking, totally. you can't just pick four movements and say, do these for 10 reps each. It has to be, um, for a lot of reasons for the, there has to be the, the physiological adaptation standpoint, but also like people are doing these because kettlebells are fun. It's supposed to be fun, right? That's the thing that I feel like has gotten so lost in training. People have gotten to be such scientific experts, which is great. We're diving deeper into training than we ever have. But I love the old time strongman. I love the, the golden era of bodybuilding where it was kind of like you just train intuitively. I love Tom Plass. Like this is part science, part art. This, this should be part uh, or it should be experiential where we're creating something. We're not just, you know, looking at a book, getting percentages. I'm not training, uh, you know, Olympic athletes to, you know, put one more pound on their snatch. I'm training people to just want to be stronger and enjoy the process. This should be fun. I mean, people take this stuff so seriously and going back to your, uh, your uh, rabbit hole of arguments online. I fucking love that because I so don't care I don't have, I just, I, I want to enjoy the process of getting stronger and not get so tied into, well, this is this camp and that's that camp. And if you go against that camp, I can't be your friend. F that. Let's have fun. Let's enjoy the process. Let's simplify things. And then we can add to it when we need to. Do you have people who, who criticize you or come at you on social media because of certain posts, certain movements, certain approaches to training? 
not so much on my page. I'll get it every now and then. Someone will be like, oh, bro, your calves. I'm like, fuck, does this look like a calf exercise? Like, I'm doing kettlebells. Like, I'm not working on my calves. Like, fuck my calves. But uh, every now and then I'll get it. But I will notice, like, if, like, men's health repost or something like that, something a little bit more traditional, and if they repost something rotational, like I did a rotational snatch with no... Oh my God. It just got blasted on the first like 10 comments where it was like, what's the point of this? What, well, why would you do this? Why would you do this? I'm like, yeah, why would anyone need to get stronger rotationally? That's stupid, wild. So it's just, it just shows how narrow-minded most people are in training because they only see things as a certain way. They see, this is how you get stronger. This is how you build muscle. This is the only way to train because this is what I have done. And anything outside of that challenges what I know and challenges what I think I know. So instead of, you know, asking questions about it, it's like immediately just say, oh, it's useless. What is a, a movement methodology or a training methodology maybe that, that you're really interested in but haven't been able to explore as much as you would have liked to? That's a good question. I would say a lot of the calisthenics kind of group. Uh, you know, there's so many factions in the calisthenics world. I just love First off, the minimalist, the minimal, minimalism of the training. But I love the fact that these guys and girls, I mean, I've had some of these guys in my, in my gym, how freakishly strong they are, like freakishly strong. Uh, you know, one-arm muscle-ups. I'm like looking at it going, how the hell are you even doing this? Like what, you know, levers where they're doing all kinds of crazy things. Uh, and it's something that I really got into for like a hot second. And then I got away from it because I was trying to build the business and all that. But the more I looked at that, I'm like, man, I, I just, every time I see it, I'm always attracted to it. Just gymnastics, calisthenics. I love that. And one question, I, I actually stopped asking this on the podcast, but because we've touched on it a little bit, I do want to ask you specifically, what misconceptions do people have maybe in the fitness community, maybe outside of the fitness community about what you do and your ultimate goals with the content you're producing? say one of the main misconceptions with just kettlebells is that it's just a conditioning tool. Like mm-hmm. you, you, this is all you can use. You, you do swings as kind of a finisher, you, you know, or you use it as a traditional, like I just use it for farmer walks or deadlifts. So it's such a right. basic thing. Uh, and I'd say that would be the first misconception of kettlebells in general. So that's why what I put out is let me show you what's possible with it mm-hmm. for my stuff specifically. Uh, it's tough because I have the education standpoint where I'm teaching certifications I'm teaching, I have online certifications. I want to get coaches better at this, but then I'm putting out stuff that is, you know, uh, user friendly from like a mass appeal. So I think there's sometimes there's kind of a dichotomous like, well, are you coaching? Are you giving me programs? Like, which one is it? Uh, so I, but the thing is they both go hand in hand. If I get you to be a better mover, then you're going to get so much more out of this program that I'm delivering you. You're going to be stronger. You're going to be more efficient in that movement pattern. You're going to see better results. All right, Marcus, I got to ask, where's the best place for people to keep up to date with the work you're doing, the content you're pushing out? Um, you know, where can people find you? Uh, all my programs, everything is on living.fit and it is a, a website that we started through Kettlebell Kings. So I've been working with Kettlebell Kings, creating the certification for them, the content and everything. And then on Instagram, Kettlebell Exercises, that's the way to go. It's where I put my stuff. I basically live there when I'm not actually living life. So, And uh, just a reminder to folks listening, you can't rent Marcus's kettlebells. You have, no. to, get, you have to get your own. They are not available for rent or lease, <laughs> even though it's <laughs> clearly in demand right now. For the right price. I mean, everybody's got a price, so maybe. He's open to offers. He's sliding to the DMs. He's, he's open to offers. <laughs> sliding to the DMs. That's the best thing. <laughs> Marcus, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate getting to chat a little bit. Likewise. I appreciate having you on.